0: Welcome to DevMode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107.
1: I'm Earl Johnston from High Industries.
2: And I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston.
0: And today we have on Adam Watham. How are you doing, Adam?
3: Good. Thanks for having me.
0: And Adam, you are from Parts Unknown, yep. but you are,
3: right? <laughs> I'm from uh, Cambridge, Ontario, which is uh, about an hour... But now we're west of Toronto.
0: But recording at an undisclosed location for your safety, correct? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And Adam, uh, some people may know you uh, from Tailwind CSS. We had you on before to talk about that. Yep. Um, You also have done quite a bit in the Laravel community um, and also have a new course out on advanced view component design, right? That's right. And I, I wanted to talk just about Vue.js, and I thought you were a kind of pers- perfect person to talk to about it. Um, so what what is Vue.js? Like if you were kind of uh, at a cocktail party and some uh, person came up to you and said, hey, what is this JS thing? Like wh- how would you – what would you say it was?
3: Yeah, so uh, JS is really just like a um... – a JavaScript UI library, right? So it's for for building uh, user interfaces in sort of a uh, data driven way, which is probably the most significant difference from what people are are used to doing with uh, jQuery. Right, and I guess that's
0: kind of the the question, right? Like, why why do we need something like this? Like, what's the point?
3: So I think um for for me anyways the the reason that um, tools like Vue are appealing is because you have a lot more flexibility and control when you're trying to manage sort of the data that you're using in a user interface in JavaScript, instead of storing all that data in your HTML and having to like query it back and modify it and you know replace the contents of divs and stuff in a more manual uh, imperative way. Using a tool like Vue, you sort of describe how you want the user interface to look uh, with you know your template that's referencing a bunch of, of data that lives in view. And as that data changes in view, it'll just kind of re-render the interface to match what's there. So that might just mean changing the contents of a tag to match an updated string that you're storing in JavaScript. Or it could mean I'm um, adding like a new text input to like a dynamically long list of text inputs. You know, you have those interfaces all the time where you have like, you know, add another or whatever, and it plops another input onto the screen, that sort of thing. Um, So I find those sorts of things just so much easier to build when all I have to worry about is uh, sticking another item onto the end of an array in JavaScript and having the UI just sort of re-render an update for me. Instead of using the jQuery approach where I'd have to find like the parent container, find the last element in the container, clone that element and reappend it to the container. Um, It's just a lot more sort of manual imperative work with a lot more room for weird edge case problems that you might run into if you're not carefully thinking through all the different ways a user might interact with it. You know, if they add three, then delete two, then add one, do things stay in the right order? You know, that sort of thing. Uh, That ends up being a lot easier when you're just worried about keeping your data clean and letting the library handle turning that into a user interface.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is with, with something like jQuery, it's really easy to just get started with it. Right. I mean, you just kind of write some code and you query something and then you find it and you do something with it. But as you start to build more and more with it, it, I mean, it just kind of ends up being like sprawl
3: for sure. Yeah. And
0: it's kind of like, you know, taking notes, like let's let's say that you're working on a project and you just kind of jot down some notes on, Random pieces of paper, right? It's fine if it's a, a small-scale thing, but at some point, you're going to do a whole lot better job organizing it if you use like an outliner and put some structure, give some structure to it, you know? Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like um, some of these frameworks are really help us do that, right?
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the the really special thing about Vue is that it works really well as just a a replacement for the sort of really simple. Stuff that you might have done uh, with jQuery in the past, uh, but is also right. really powerful as like a, a full sort of single page application framework, right? Too, which I think is maybe what makes it different than than some of the the other stuff out there. Like if you look at something like an Angular or an Ember, they're just it, it feels like you're pulling in something way too heavy if all you're trying to do is add a little bit of Ajax interactivity to one form on a page or something.
0: Yeah, that's the genius of the way that Vue is structured, is that it really kind of is a gateway drug, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's super easy to just get started with it. Um, but And then if you need more, you can then start using it more. Like you could just throw Vue in there to do this, that, or the other thing. Um, and then you could start adding in maybe some components, some off-the-shelf components. Uh, and we'll talk about them a little bit more. And then if you get further down the road and you want to do a full-blown SPA, I mean, Vue has got your back there too, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, totally. It, it's
0: interesting because like, you know, the the tech business, the way that it is, um, I think someone tweeted something out about this recently is that there is literally no way for a programmer to know everything in terms of programming, you know, for e- even if you narrowed it down to front, end, you know, web development. There's absolutely no way for any single person to be an expert at everything, right? So I think we have some people that are um, very good at doing front-end development. Maybe they're, uh, you know, very good with JavaScript, very good with jQuery, but just haven't waded into uh, Vue.js yet. Um, and everyone's at different stages in in their development in terms of when they pick this up. But I mean, you started using Vue.js was it right at 1.0 or was it even before or, or uh, when be, did
3: you before, kind of hop on before 1.0 uh i'm not sure what the first version that i used was but um the funny thing about Vue is i think uh i think probably the thing that contributed to its, its sort of rise to fame was uh taylor alwell the creator of laravel one day he was just kind of browsing around the javascript framework landscape because he, he had mm-hmm. used angular one like old school angular before they did the the big TypeScript rewrite and everything that they have now on some projects. And uh, I think for him, it just felt like unnecessarily complicated. So he was just kind of, you know, doing what you do once in a while where it's like, okay, is there anything new in the landscape? You know, I've got my tools that I'm comfortable with, but, you know, is there anything better out there that I haven't seen yet? And he stumbled across Vue somehow way before basically anyone else was was using it and played with it for a day and then just kind of tweeted like, I'm really liking VJS. And and if you go see Evan give a talk about like kind of like the VJS kind of history or story ever, he always shows this slide where he shows (laughs) like the, the Google Analytics like traffic, and there's like this is the day that Taylor tweeted it, and it like takes off like crazy. Uh, <laughs> so but,
0: so Taylor is like the the Kardashian of the the web dev yeah, world.
3: Yes, yeah. <laughs> so so that's how I heard about Vue, anyways, because I'm very involved in the, in the Laravel community. Right. Um, so I started using it uh, right when Taylor kind of mentioned it.
0: And so uh, your your stack is you know, primarily Laravel on the back end, Vue on the front end. But presumably at some point you were using Laravel and you were using Blade uh, to render things, which is kind yeah. of analogous to uh, to Twig in terms of being a, a templating language. What made you think you even needed to use something like Vue? Like why not just use Blade?
3: Yeah. So actually I still do use Blade um, mm-hmm. a lot. So the way that I tend to use Vue is not as like a, I don't do a lot of like, single page applications where there's like a full JavaScript application and then an API backend. Mm -hmm. Typically I'm still doing kind of like traditional server rendered web applications, but I'm just dropping view in here and there on bits of the page where I need things to be interactive or need to take advantage of some of the things that you can only do with JavaScript, right? Like submitting a form right. via Ajax because I'm just updating some setting and don't want to do a full page reload mm-hmm. or some dynamic form, that sort of thing. Um, so that, that tends to be how, how I'm using uh, a view on my stuff. And, and before I was using view, most of my experience was with angular one, because that was kind of the, the giant hmm. on the scene at the time back in say like 2013, 2014. Um, and before that, and, and still after that, you know, jQuery for stuff here and there. And I think that's actually what was interesting about Vue is that before Vue, I was using Angular for things that kind of felt like they warranted Angular. But oh, then no. there was so many things that you would build where it's like, I just need one little interactive thing. Yeah. I don't want to pull in this whole beefy framework just for this. Right. So you'd kind of hack something together with jQuery or whatever, and it, and it would be fine. But Vue is kind of special to me because it, it kind of gives me it kind of gives me one tool that I can use in, in both of those situations because it, it's the only thing I've used that just doesn't feel like overkill even for the smallest things because it's it's quite a small library and right. you don't need like a build step or any of that stuff. You can literally just like throw an ID on on some existing server-rendered HTML. And then just kind of initialize a new view instance that's pointed at that ID, right? Like new view. And then you say the element is like dollar form or whatever. And you can just use views kind of template features and stuff in your server rendered HTML, like your V4 for your loops, which is, you know, might be familiar to anyone who's used old school Angular, like ng4, or ngif, you know, all that stuff. And you can just kind of have that all in your server rendered HTML and then just kind of initialize some data in this new. View instance that you've kind of mounted there and everything will, will just start working. You don't need to worry about all these concepts that original old school Angular had like services and providers and factories and and scopes and all this crazy complicated stuff. It it ends up feeling just as, just as lightweight and simple as jQuery. um, But you're just, it's just kind of a a little bit of a a different paradigm, but the, the overall weight of it feels comparable, which I think was what was, uh, really compelling about it to me.
0: Yeah, I, I think that a, a word that I would use to summarize view, especially as compared uh to some of these other frameworks, is it's approachable.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's
0: very, very approachable. You can just start using it. And as you said, you, you don't even have to use components. Like you, you can just start using it uh, as something that uh, w- makes it better to s- structure your JavaScript.
3: Yeah, that's that's and- the funny thing. Most people, almost everyone, like using Vue for anything serious. They components are the only feature that they they even use, and you know that's something we can talk about. Right. But um, if you actually look at like the Vue documentation, it's like the very last thing that they they introduce in the documentation is components. It's almost like an advanced optional feature. You definitely don't even need to use it. To get the benefits of it, especially in a jQuery-like context, for sure.
0: Yeah, and if you if you just want to use Vue, you just use that. If you need a store, right? If you uh, if you need some kind of persistent state, uh, then you can use Vuex. Um, if you uh, need some kind of a, an SPA and you want something to kind of handle that stuff for you, you can start using Nuxt. And you can kind of pick and choose these things and and build on them as you gain comfort with Vue, but also as your needs change. And I, I think that is what I really like about Vue because kind of similar to you, uh, a decent number of the stuff that I work on, uh, doesn't make sense for it to be a full SPA. Yeah. Um, I, I do have some projects that I have done that are effectively full SPAs and we're exploring that in the future. And I would like to get into that, uh, with you a little bit later, but you don't need to be doing that. You don't need to kind of it's very approachable. You don't need to learn this massive way of doing things the way that you kind of need to in Angular and, and react to some extent. You know. Yeah, yeah, th- for sure. I think Patrick wanted to jump in. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, no, I was just thinking uh, Yeah, when you were talking about how it feels very light and very approachable, I was very lucky that the first javascript you know front-end framework that i worked with was Vue. um but Hmm. surprisingly after the fact just this past winter i got pulled into an old or i guess it wasn't an old project but they were using knockout js and that was just such a different experience they you know i had to learn about these um you know everyone understands like computers but there's these the idea of observables and some things are observable others need to be transformed so that you can actually you know make things uh you know two-sided and and it was just really you had to wrap your entire mind into how they think about everything. Well, right. you, it seems like it already knows how you want to work. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like if you want to change a value, well, duh, then just make it change. Don't have to transform it into some abstract concept and yeah. then play with it after the fact. It, it Everything comes really, really easily.
3: Yeah, the the ironic thing there, too, is that Knockout is actually... I mean, for its time, it was it was like the view. View yep. I almost see as like a spiritual successor to it in a lot of cases because knockout is cons- it, it wants to be really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that made it complicated, I think, is that from the era that it came from, uh, JavaScript just didn't have the features that it has now. Like I think View is like IE ten and up or something maybe 89 Mm. and up and knockout had to support older browsers, which is the reason that they have the observables and all that stuff, because they couldn't rely on some of these, these uh, features that Vue gets to rely on by only targeting uh, more modern. Oh, that's interesting. uh, But But yeah, yeah, I feel like a
0: lot of, I feel like some of these frameworks are like very controlling friends, you know, (laughs) like if you want to go out uh, to eat somewhere, some of them will be like, okay, well, we're going to this restaurant at this time. And you can only order these meals, and the etiquette is X, Y, or Z, and you have to do all these things. And then View is kind of your buddy that's like, hey, you know, man, I'll go anywhere you want. It's cool. You know, you want to eat this, that, or the other thing? It doesn't matter. Um, and I think that kind of
2: <laughs> in terms of how you can use it really makes it kind of fun. I just picture someone, actually, could I have sweet potato fries? And they just flip the table over. No, that's Ready. not <laughs> happening. No. Nope. Yeah.
0: Well, there are certain frameworks that you're like, I want sweet potato fries. And they'll be like, no, you can't <laughs> have them. Like, that's not how we do things here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I think that's what makes Vue really approachable. So let's talk about, you know, a feature that is talked about a lot in these frameworks, which is reactivity. Sure. Um, and it's just a fancy word for, uh, okay. So the way that you would normally do things in, uh, jQuery is what you're saying. We would pick a selector and then you would perform some kind of operation on it. And, you know, then it would then make the change to the DOM. Uh, why don't you tell us how this is different in Vue and how how reactivity works in Vue?
3: Sure. So, I mean, like the, the main core paradigm difference is that with jQuery, typically the DOM is like the source of truth. And mm-hmm. in your jQuery code, you're kind of querying the DOM to find out what data is there, how many inputs there are, that sort of thing. And then doing some stuff with it in kind of JavaScript land. Uh, Whereas with Vue and similar frameworks like React, Angular and stuff like this, um, they take the opposite approach where the source of truth is like the data in your JavaScript code. And the DOM is actually just a transformation of that data into a template, right? So when you update the data, the DOM is going to re-render to represent how it should look now based on how that data has changed. So stuff like say you have like an H1 tag that says uh, hello world in it, and you want to change it to hello universe In jQuery, you might query the DOM to find that element and then right. do, you know, like element dot inner HTML equals hello universe or whatever. Uh, whereas in, in view, you just kind of bind the H one to that specific piece of data. So what you would, what it actually looks like in code is the contents of the H one tag would have like a view sort of uh, template string, which is like two curly brackets on the outside, like a handlebars sort of thing. Then inside it, you might just have like heading it might be the variable name. And then in view, Uh, you would just say, you know, this.heading equals hello universe. And now anywhere heading is used in the template, that'll just automatically be updated for you. So you only have to think about changing your data and not actually directly um, manipulating the DOM. And then the other piece of reactivity is sort of um, input from the user kind of being reflected back in your data. So you can use a feature like vModel in view, it's called, where you can take like an input, And you can say uh, this input should be bound to some variable in my view code Uh, so maybe you have like uh, an email address input or something in view you can have an email address property in your data property which is kind of where you keep all of the the data that view is managing sort of hard to talk about without looking at the code um, but then as someone just types into that input field, as long as they've said, you know, V model equals email address as an attribute on that tag. Well, then anytime you want to uh, reference that value in JavaScript, you just reference this dot email address. It'll always reflect whatever the latest um, value is that the user has typed in. So it just tries to keep all that stuff, uh, sort of synchronized for you. So you don't ever have to worry about asking for things from the DOM directly. Um, The DOM is just a representation of your data and your data will get updated as the user enters stuff into any sort of user editable areas, as long as you've sort of told view where that data should be going.
0: Yeah, the the jQuery-ish way is that the DOM is this huge mess, like, you know, a hoarder's house and you're going in there and you're finding stuff and you're pulling out the pieces that you need. And the view slash, uh, reactivity model is that you already have this idea of the, the data that you want, and then it goes and changes the dom to reflect that. And it's really, when you first do it, like the first time that you use view in this way, uh, it's kind of magical, you know, because you, you go in there and the, uh, you change the data on your model and then the dom just changes, Yeah, you know, and it's so cool. It's just really cool. Um, but yeah, something you mentioned is that you can use Vue kind of the way you use templating languages like Blade or Twig. Mm-hmm. Um, and it defaults to using the, the I think they're called mustaches or the double curly brackets yeah, for yeah. outputting stuff. So then the question that comes up a lot when you're using something like um, either Laravel or Craft or something else on the back end and you're using Vue on the front end, you kind of end up with this weird Kind of middle state sometimes, right? Where you're like, well, who's responsible for rendering this stuff? You know, and how do, how do you kind of resolve that?
3: Um, yeah. So for me, it's it's really just about knowing whether or not something needs to be like interactive on right. the, the JavaScript side. So I think what you're kind of saying is sometimes you have this situation where you need to use like a server side templating language mm-hmm. to render. The client side templating language in in some senses right right like, yeah um, and in, in blade in particular this there's kind of a gotcha there because view and blade actually use the same um syntax for for rendering variables same with twig, same right? with twig. Have yeah, those double curlies yeah so if you want some if you want those double curlies to sort of like survive so that view can pick them up on the front end you have to tell blade or twig to actually render the double curlies and not to interpret it as you asking twig or blade to render a variable for you, which, right. uh, you know, that, that's different for, for each templating language in blade. I think you just throw an at sign in front of it and it sort of tells it, Hey, don't actually like interpolate this. Just kind of let it right. persist through to the, to the dom. Or um,
0: you can change, you can change the delimiters that, uh, view uses right.
3: Yep, yep. I think, and b- with Blade too, you you could change it on e- on either side. Uh, oh, typically, okay. for me, this doesn't end up being a, a problem because, I mean, th- we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit here, but um, with View and in a Laravel app, I typically am using components, not just view right. instances. Right. View components are just a way of basically letting you create custom HTML tags. Um, like maybe you have like a user profile settings component, which is a view component for a user profile form or something. Um, So in my HTML, I can just say, you know, open angle bracket, user dash profile dash settings, close angle bracket, and then close off the tag. And then um, when view kind of mounts to the whole page, uh, when the page actually loads, View will find all these custom tags that have registered, and it'll throw in all of the markup for that component so i'm mm-hmm. i'm very rarely actually rendering um, markup on the server that I intend view to sort of take over i'm I'm usually just dropping in these sort of like placeholders where view is going to replace all of that with the contents of the component sure
0: well i I meant yeah i mean there there certainly is that potential conflict in terms of they use the same uh delimiters for outputting things Mm -hmm. uh but again like like you mentioned there are ways around that for uh on from both angles yeah but i also meant from a higher level uh logical point of view in terms of who's in charge here yeah (laughs) you know like who who is controlling this data is it is it going to be uh blade or twig that are is outputting this data is it going to be uh view that is handling it like who who is managing this stuff
3: So the stuff that I work on, it's typically the server side templating language is sort of the real, um, you know, that's kind of like what's in charge and dictating what's happening. And I, I almost just think of my view components as being almost like native HTML elements, um, that just happen to only exist in this app because I'm building right. them with view. Right. So instead of doing like an input type date or whatever, um, I might use a custom date picker view component, but I'm still conceptually from the server side dropping in that component the same way that I would just be dropping in like input type date. Like the server is sort of like ignorant to the fact that this is actually going to get picked up and handled by, custom JavaScript if that makes sense. Um, it just thinks yeah. that it's just rendering some some native stuff and doesn't really know know the difference. So I might do drop in like a date picker component and add a value to it just like you would with an input type date right we say value equals you know 2018 -07-04 or whatever and um, that's just going to get handled by by view instead of by just the native uh, browser. But I, yeah. the server is sort of in charge, in my specific use cases anyways, of sort of deciding which components we're going to use, seeding them with any data that they need, and then when the page loads, view kind of picks up on the places that I've decided to use it and kind of brings those pieces yeah, to life.
0: Yeah, ex- exactly. And the way I think about it is that the, the templating language is what is in charge and it renders the page. And then view, it kind of hands it off to view to light it up for anything that's kind of interactive. Yeah, exactly. Um, But you you can end up with some weird things. Like I've got a blog on uh, nystudio107.com that when you load the blog index page, like you get your standard, here are the nine recent blogs, right? And that's all rendered via Twig. That's analogous to it being rendered uh, via Blade. Um, But then there's a little button down below that says load more, right? And when you hit that button, it uses view, which then does uh, an XHR to load in the data from the, the craft backend. And then it's basically emulating exactly the display that was up there, yeah. but it loads in nine more. Totally. And it's weird because then you've got the same thing in two places.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that That's definitely a case where there's a couple of different ways you could choose to handle that, right? So mm-hmm. in your case, it sounds like you're rendering that list of blog posts server side so the server is responsible for the markup and deciding what classes are added and stuff and then you're sort of duplicating that that piece of template on the client side by doing this xhr request getting that json data back or something from the server and then Mm -hmm. plopping in like some new list items using the same exactly so the way that i might handle that um I mean, the way that you're handling it is nice because everything's there on initial page load. But if That's you wa- why I did it, yeah. is
0: for performance reasons. Yeah.
3: But if you wanted to avoid the the duplication, what I would probably do is have just a component that was like called recent posts or something. Mm-hmm. And then it would have a prop, which is Vue's way of basically accepting data that you want to initialize a component with. Um, a prop for the recent posts. So maybe I would render JSON from Twig into that prop that contains the five most recent posts. And then view would be the only thing that knew what the actual template was for displaying those list items. So it would display those five. And then when you hit show more, it would do the XHR request to get like another nine posts or whatever. And it would just append that. To the array of JSON posts that it already has, and that would trigger the re render. That's yeah, how.
0: and I, I went down that road. Mm-hmm. The problem with going down that road is that from a web performance point of view, it sucks. Yeah, you get a little bit of a,
3: if, if you have like if the rest of the page is fully server rendered, then you get like a tiny little flicker before the posts pop in,
0: right? Because um, before it can render that page, and, and if this is um of the critical path if this is above the fold content mm-hmm. which it is in this case what that means is that the page has got to load view has got to load it's got to mount the component it's got to then render everything um and from a initial page load point of view that sucks and i hated it but i that's why i ended up with this kind of split personality is i i would not compromise on the page load portion of it and i said all right You know, I guess we got to do it this way. Yeah.
3: Yeah, for sure. And I think if you really wanted to, um, if you really wanted to go all in on on Vue, you could use a framework like Nuxt.js, which uh, (laughs) is designed to try and make it really, really easy to do sort of either server side rendering or sort of like um, pre-rendering of stuff while still kind of doing it with Vue. So you'd get that snappy initial page load where everything is there in the HTML sent from the server. um, And then view kind of like mounts to it and hydrates from the data that's there. So you could still add stuff to it. But um, yeah, you're totally right. You, you get, you get into this, there's a weird kind of gap between like traditional kind of server rendered stuff that we've, we've all been doing for a long time. And then trying to bring some of these, these frameworks in that sort of mount and, you know, uh, kind of bring the data to life after the fact it's th- there's definitely this tricky gap where you have to decide like am i okay with the fact that some of this loads after the fact right or do i want to go dump everything like basically forget everything i already know and go all in on this new client side uh technology and mm-hmm. and and that's a decision that, that i've struggled with and, and something that i'm still trying to figure out you know where i really want to end up myself too
0: yeah, and that's getting back to who's in charge, right? Because if you want to do it, the, see, and I may be completely wrong or, or simplifying things, but I, I, am envisioning that uh, people from the JavaScript world were like, "Oh, sweet, we've got this awesome, uh, these awesome capabilities in JavaScript. Let's just render everything uh, client side, right?" Yeah, and and then then the framework got kind of big, um, and. Then they realize that well, on mobile devices that don't really have a lot of CPU, foisting off the actual rendering process to the client kind of sucks. Um, you know what? We're probably going to have to go back and render this stuff on the server yeah. <laughs> the way it's been done, you know, for forever. And, and now the um, kind of w- what a lot of people are doing is exactly what you said, where uh, they're going all in on the uh, th- the fact that what is going to be in control kind of getting back to our earlier discussion on you know who is in charge is that the javascript framework is going to be in control you can say goodbye to blade say goodbye to twig say goodbye to yeah. whatever you're using and vue is going to control everything on the front end and to help with performance you do the the server side render yeah. and you can use nux to kind of help you out on that but before we get too deep off in these weeds i've got i've got a confession to make here adam sure we have an infidel in our midst. <laughs> so we have someone here named Earl <laughs> yep. who's a little bit skeptical about the whole JavaScript uh, framework side of things and why he needs to use it. So Earl, yeah, chime in with your skeptic- this, this, no, skepticism. No, like, it's,
1: it's, perfect. it's perfect timing really because the, the performance thing, this all just seems, I, I mean, dumb is the word that comes to mind, but I know that you guys aren't dumb, so it can't be dumb. Uh, but it's just, it seems like over engineering, honestly, is, 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 uh, is what it seems like, especially from the performance point of view, because it's not just, it's not just mobile phones that these, okay. First of all, Adam, I like what you're talking about with using it strictly for interactivity. That seems like the smart way to go about it. Server side for everything else. If you need interactivity, drop it in. Awesome. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't know if you guys have, I don't know if you guys use Reddit very much, but they recently went through. A redesign, and it's very, it's it's it's. I'm not sure exactly what they're using. I didn't look into it. Shame on me. But uh, very very JavaScript heavy on the front end, and I have an old netbook that I use just for kind of <laughs> screwing around, and uh, it's awful. It runs so bad uh, on this netbook, and and it's just it's, so it's not just mobile devices. It's it's people that are running, you know, older machines or just anything that has less less CPU. Um,
3: yeah.
0: Third world countries where the, the network connection well, just, isn't yeah. that great. I mean, well,
1: even it doesn't you have to be third world countries. I mean, the vast majority of r- r- rural America is, <laughs> is terrible is internet DSL yeah. that they're yeah. getting, right. you know, they're paying $50 a month for 50 kilobytes a second. You know, right. it's, it's insane. Um, so, you know, and again, and part of this is probably just me being like biased. And, you know, I've been using jQuery for forever. Um, and granted, I haven't built any like huge sprawling. Uh, you know things that require tons and tons of interactivity or anything, uh, and I was very on board with the interactivity only stuff. But I did really want to get into um, using it as just as just everything, the entire you know, because I guess and just someone who's like you know I've been running no script for security reasons for a long time in, in Firefox, and uh, if I go to a, if I go to a page like from Reddit or something, um, and that page is blank because no script. Cause nothing loads without JavaScript. Sure. Like it's an actual blank white page. I don't even, I don't even look at that site. Like it just from a, just from a jerk. Like I'm a jerk. <laughs> about it. So I'm just like, no, I'm like, you're not getting a page view from me. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's nothing, there's you nothing. Are the 0.2%. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, it's just that, you know, from an accessibility standpoint, there's lots of reasons not to do that, but uh, you know, I just, so yeah, I, And again, I I might just be being stubborn and being someone that's been using jQuery for a long time and probably, you know, square pegging round hole quite a bit uh, with jQuery. But
3: so, so no, I think um, I rambled there. I think, uh, I don't think you're like a, a JavaScript framework skeptic necessarily. I think we actually have the same opinion, which is, um, you're more of a single page app skeptic, which I definitely am as well, which is why I've never really built one. so for me, I think like this, the sweet spot for view for me is as a jQuery replacement, not as like a paradigm shifting build web apps, build websites in a totally different way sort of thing where I'm moving everything to client. But more just like um, I have felt the pain of trying to build, you know, even like simple interactions have complexity in them most of the time. Right. And that stuff has always just been so much easier Um if I can just worry about the JavaScript and let the DOM kind of handle itself, then writing it the other way around. And that and that's what makes Vue a really interesting choice for me. But I'm totally with you on the, the skepticism towards building everything with JavaScript, making the client render everything. The server is now just an API and, and it's tricky because I, I see the appeal of it, right? Because there's something nice about just, yeah. And anytime I've built a, a server rendered web app um, over time, I, I always need like a little bit more interactivity, a, a new feature here. And and eventually it gets to the point where it's like, man, I feel like this might be easier if I was just building a JavaScript application uh, mm-hmm. because now I have the front end to worry about, the back end to worry about, there's duplication showing up, stuff like that. But I've still never been willing to to bite the bullet because there's just so many little things to worry about, even just like the the simplest thing, which is, um, you know, people say that Google renders JavaScript now when it crawls things, but I'm Mm -hmm. not convinced because I've done a little bit of stuff like that and seen my own sites show up in Google results with like (laughs) Vue.js template code in the preview and not the actual, (laughs) the content, right? So you have to go down using Different frameworks to try and do server-side rendering for you, spinning up a Node service to render stuff on the server before it spits back to the client, or use, paying for a tool like prerender.io, or going all in on a framework like Next in React or Nuxt and uh you know Vue, or switching to a tool like Gatsby or something as your your sort of static site generator to handle all this stuff for you. Right. And then on top of that, you have all these these questions and concerns about just like bundle size and stuff. You look into all the the really complex and hard work that people are doing uh, uh, in like Webpack and stuff to make code splitting really easy and automatic and all the stuff to try and keep your bundle sizes down. And I look at that stuff, and all I can really say to myself when I see that is like, if you just rendered it on the server with php (laughs) or whatever like this problem totally vanishes
1: exactly Um, why is it you're creating a problem totally and and you're right adam
0: there are a lot of very very smart people that are that are working on this problem but but again it's kind of i agree with you that i look at it from the point of view of all right i've got two pairs of shoes right i've got one pair of shoes that it doesn't actually fit me and i can spend you know the next hour trying to trying to get my foot into it or I can just wear a pair that already fits me, yeah. you know? And you're right. I mean, it does seem to require a whole lot of work uh, to kind of get this stuff yeah. going, but that, it, and Earl, what I would say to you is that I think with something like Vue, like we've been <laughs> discussing, you don't have to, uh, buy into it whole, uh, whole hog mm-hmm. in terms of having the, everything run via JavaScript. Yeah. Um, I think that if you're doing anything moderately complicated, Uh, With JavaScript on the front end, you'll find that you'll be able to get up and running with it far quicker using jQuery or just native JavaScript. However, when you start to look at the tail end of the project where you're going back and you're retrofitting stuff, or you're making changes here and they're breaking things there, I think that when you looked at the totality of the project, if you hadn't used Vue to begin with, you would probably be saving a ton of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And And again, I, I, I think that the using it as strictly an interactivity layer mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense. My main beef yeah is performance, especially when people. It just feels like that's not what JavaScript is for. It's not for rendering an entire page from the top down. Yeah, but, you know, maybe well, that's just an old. Well, design.
3: everything is it, everything is going to JavaScript eventually. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> but well, okay, so I did look
0: at uh, Reddit, which is the source of uh, Earl's complaints. Um and it's
3: running React. That's what I figured. It's uh, a React SPA now.
0: Yep. So it's a React app and it looks like it's an SPA. Yeah, it is a React SPA. Yeah. And it is loading tons and tons of JavaScript. Yeah. But again, when when I see and we're having on uh our next episode, we're having uh Paulo Elias on. I hope I didn't butcher his name, um, who is kind of coming from the uh he he was a traditional web developer. He now works at IDO. And he full time does Jamstack stuff, and when I see a lot of really smart people, a lot of really big companies that have, are embracing this, I, I kind of have to I, I have to look at it and say there must be something here. Yeah, you know, it's tricky
3: because um, I still I'm still I still feel the the lure of it. Right, like there's something mm-hmm. nice about being able to just like build a JavaScript application, and and I think the thing that's um, I think what's the thing that's important to look at is to think of it as you're not building like a website anymore. You're building like a JavaScript application, like you're building software and the browser is sort of the operating system where it runs. Like an argument that I hear a lot that we kind of touched on, right. is like uh, your site should be able to work without JavaScript. And I think that's, um, that's true for like a, like a, if you're making a website, you know, like a, like something that's mm-hmm. a traditional website. But uh, if you look at it from the other perspective, I almost see like building a, a JavaScript application as like, that's the way to, to make it shareable with the most people, because it's not like the alternative to building a JavaScript application is to build a website. It's to build a native application a lot of the time. Right. So right. it's not like I'm saying, okay, um, When people say your site should work without JavaScript, it's like, okay, well, how about I just write it in Swift and now it doesn't even work on Windows? (laughs) That's what you have to look at it as. It's like, I'm building software, I'm building it using a platform agnostic language that runs in a browser that runs on all operating systems so it's accessible to as many people in the world as possible because the alternative is actually to use a native language because that's the sort of thing I'm building. I'm not building like an HTML document, right? um so w- when you look at it that way I, I sort of i see like the altruism in using and building javascript applications but i also will say that i think there's there's definitely a lot of stuff that uses it more than than necessary and and that's why i think it's interesting to look at um some of the opposing voices to this movement like if you look if you look at what basecamp does with their javascript stuff right um Have you seen like Stimulus.js, like Basecamp's new JavaScript framework that came out? New, I guess it's like came out around Christmas time.
0: Yeah, I've looked at it, but I haven't actually used it. Yeah.
3: So what I think is interesting about it is like the tagline for it is it's like the JavaScript framework that works with the HTML you already have. Um, so it's, uh, it's actually similar to, to view in, in some senses, but they still treat the. They managed to treat the DOM as the source of truth while still giving you the control to do everything in JavaScript. And that gives them this nice situation where the page can come back fully rendered from the server in Ruby and they can just like bring it to life with stimulus without having that flicker where it's like, you know, dropping in the JavaScript rendered content because everything's still rendered by the server. They're just kind of um, progressively enhancing it with JavaScript. And they've kind of come up with some nice conventions and and stuff to make that feel like like a, a nice experience. But, but they're a good example of a voice that's like really doubled down on server, 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 server. Even like their mobile applications are mostly like web views, um, but they've done a really good job of making them feel uh, pretty native. And, and it's interesting because for them, when whenever you need to write like a new view for the Android app, they're doing it in the Git repo that runs basecamp.com, the website, right? Like everything kind of lives in that one monolithic application. Like the server is the source of truth, not only for the web app, it's the source of truth for everything that they do. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, interested in, in the sort of stuff uh, that they're doing. But for me, I still find like the experience of using view to make things interactive on the, on the projects I work on and stuff has just been so nice that I'm willing to deal with that, that little bit of that gap you kind of have where, okay, most of the site is rendered with the server, but some things aren't there until view is done kind of spinning up, right. you know, 100 milliseconds after the page is loaded or whatever i'm
0: gonna make a a bold statement adam and this is kind of prompted by something that you were saying earlier about um web development i mean my statement is like Hmm. i don't think web development exists anymore (laughs) and (laughs) what i mean that is like the there are tons and tons of kind of you know traditional web developers that are um you know, they're feeling kind of lost from the point of view of the amount of work that goes into tooling and building a website these days. And the reason why I say that, I don't think web development exists anymore is um, and I, I come from the background of a traditional app developer. Mm-hmm. And I think that what people are doing now, they've kind of they've kind of slowly slid into it without even realizing it. They are now building small-scale custom applications. Like that's what a modern website really is whether you know it used to be that you could do some html some css and there you go boom you're a web developer now even in forgetting about javascript let's say we're using uh, a framework that uses blade or we're using yeah. a framework that uses twig well there's a whole lot of programming logic that you have to know to be able to use that um, and then if you want to use uh, your, your need to use actually javascript more and more on the front end I mean, you're really building custom software right
3: yeah it's true um, I, I I definitely can't think of many examples of you know traditional websites that I visit every day right. anymore yeah um, everything and, is built and so by the skill set is now, different not HTML writers you know
0: yeah so it, it has been necessarily more complex and then the tooling comes in to help out with that complexity and then the angst that a lot of people are feeling is well which tool do I use, you know, do I use blade? Uh, do I adopt one of these JavaScript frameworks and and circling it back to view? The nice thing about view is that you can take it piecemeal, you know, just yeah. use the pieces of it that you like. And it will, I, I guarantee you, like if you're listening to this and you typically do vanilla JavaScript or uh, jQuery type stuff, if you take the time to learn a little bit of view and start using it, I guarantee it will make your life easier.
3: Yeah yeah there's, <laughs> no. there's basically no situation where where i would use um jquery or even vanilla javascript over i mean vanilla javascript maybe if if i'm really concerned about like performance and stuff because this thing i'm doing is just so simple that it seems silly to even pull in right view but it's so easy to just reference view in a script tag from a cdn um mount it to some dom node and write five lines of code to do something like i there's very few situations I've run into where it's actually less code in jQuery than it is in Vue. It's usually less code in Vue. Um,
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and what someone has done is like the, this massive complexity, this sprawl that has become web development, what uh, someone, and in this case, Evan has done is created a framework to help manage some of that chaos. It says, look, you know, here are some good principles that you can use to make building this thing more sane. And then once you start buying into that, you're like, oh, you know what? This is a much better way to do things, <laughs> you know? And it really, I, I almost think of Vue as a sanity saver for doing uh, any kind of uh, front-end development.
3: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, for anyone who's like sort of um, maybe got the wrong impression about Vue and, and, and seen it as like a sing, an SPA framework, right. you know what I mean? Like that's what it's for. It yeah. was a really good article um i'll see if i can find it using Vue as a jquery replacement i think was mm-hmm. was the article or replacing replacing jquery with vjs yeah so sarah drasner wrote an article for for smashing magazine she that is was awesome yeah she is uh, that was just on using Vue instead of jquery for the same sorts of things you would use um use jquery for so that could be a, a really good introduction uh, for someone who, who's comfortable with jQuery and just kind of wants to see, how would I use Vue to do the same same sort of thing? So I'll send you right. a link to that, and you should definitely uh, throw that in the show.
0: Yeah, for sure. I will put that in the, the show notes. And an, another thing I'm going to put in the show notes is uh, Eddie Asmani came out relatively recently with his his huge cost of JavaScript mm. uh, article, which I think is a fantastic thing to to keep in mind. Uh, when you're working on this stuff is that, uh, Java has JavaScript has a cost. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this tooling, uh, it, it can kind of sprawl out of control if you're not too careful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what do you, what do you think girl? Do you have any more, any you know, chime, chime in a little bit more? I feel like no, we, yeah, we I, haven't given you your due.
1: Well, no, I just, uh, I mean, I, I'm actually, I'm pretty pumped to check out, uh, to check out view for interactivity mm-hmm. stuff. I, I don't have any intention of, um, using it for single page stuff. Um, but the interactivity um, of it sounds, I mean, it's, yeah, it sounds definitely useful and time-saving and, and I like, uh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, and I also, I can also see why, you know, the single page JavaScript stuff makes some sense because, you know, if you go from, you know, if you're, all your data is API driven, it's, I guess it's more portable, right? Like you, it, it makes it more easy, uh, it makes it easier to build. Uh, you know native phone apps and websites and whatever if all your data is just kind of in one single
0: wait well, uh, you actually you know. have architectural plans for what you're building as opposed to just taking a board and slapping a nail into it you yeah. know
1: yeah 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 no yeah. I, don't, I don't i don't disagree with yeah. with with any of that but i just you know philosophically the internet is an information delivery device right it's it's the greatest invention that humanity's come across uh, so far in my opinion maybe maybe second to harnessing fire that was good. Dude, that <laughs> that was, that was that a was, good one was good. Was electricity
2: good. Oh, was bro. decent yeah. yeah yeah okay electricity yeah. was okay yeah. all right yeah
1: uh, but you know i just i don't want to i don't want to cut anybody out because for for whatever reason if they have an, an ancient phone or they all they have is a netbook that they could get from you know they got from salvation army or something like that or whatever and and that's and we're the ones that are concerned with this stuff, right? The developers are the ones that are, that are, you know, engineering these things too. Well, yeah, (laughs) well, and the concerns don't always overlap, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what's best for a developer isn't necessarily what's best for the end user. And I'm more interested in the information being disseminated uh, than what makes you happy while you're building a website. Yeah. And I would note
2: you, you had raised accessibility as a concern and, uh, I come from a usability background, and for a long time, that certainly was something that uh, was, you know, a problem for people who are using, you know, assistive devices. Uh, that's actually right. something that uh, between JAWS, which is the big screen reader out there, and uh, VoiceOver on the Mac, uh, they actually deal really well with JavaScript these days. And cool. uh, if you're that's doing great. things right, and we had an episode a while back with uh, someone from the nerdery um, her name escapes me at the moment, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can do a lot to so that if you are exposing different UI on the front end and loading things asynchronously, you know, respectfully point them in the right way and and make sure that you're really respecting, you know, the device that they're, you know, accessing your website with. Um, so I wouldn't let that, um, you know, steer you away from it if you do have accessibility concerns.
0: Sure. Yeah, and Laura Shields from yes. the Nerdery, yeah. who who we who we spoke yeah. to, I want to give her her due. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing, Earl. Like, um, a- again, like I was saying, it kind of feels to me that JavaScript kind of went crazy. They're like, all right, let's all do this on the front end, and then they're they're like, well, let's do this on the back end. And and yes, it kind of does feel like they're solving problems that have been solved for twenty or thirty years, mm. and and to some extent, they are. Um, But the important thing to keep in mind is that it's not just that you're using JavaScript to do this. It's how you do it in terms Mm -hmm. of whether it's going to be accessible, whether it's going to be performant. Um, You know, you can build two different developers could build the same website using the same core technologies. And one could be a performance pig um, and the other one could be, you know, have nice server side pre-rendering. Uh, it could have code splitting and tree shaking and doing all these nice things to make sure the uh, the JavaScript is is delivered optimally. So it is it is a problem that I think can be solved and solved well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely understand uh, the, the the consternation and and Adam, I I echo your uh, sentiments on it. Where you know a lot of what I do is traditional server side stuff with with Vue just kind of sprinkled in to to light it up. Um, I am, I have done a couple of SPAs and I am really seriously looking at using Nuxt for an upcoming large scale project. Um, So, you know, maybe we'll do an episode on that and we'll see how it goes. That sounds interesting, Nuxt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But Adam, kind of uh, circling back to you, it it seems like, so you've done a ton with Laravel and you've done a ton with Vue. And you even have this uh, new video tutorial uh, series out on advanced view components. Is this something you enjoy doing? Is it is kind of teaching you know, diving into a subject? And then kind of like uh, in the old pioneer days, there'd be the one guy who would agree to go out <laughs> into the unknown land and come back and report what he found. Is, is that kind of something that you enjoy doing?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, that's kind of what I've been doing full time for, for a couple of years now. Is creating uh, educational content. Um, and I, it's really rewarding for me to be able to uh, to kind of learn something and kind of piece together all the information I can find from different communities and kind of distill it into kind of one resource and package it up nicely for other people to kind of, uh, you know, shortcut that whole process instead of having to, to go and find everything from the original sources. So
0: you just gave me the perfect transition. Because you were talking about packaging something up, <laughs> Explain to us what a view
3: component is. Sure. So a view component is is really like uh, it's like a self-contained little widget that you know you pass some some data into that it might need. Uh, and also it contains kind of its own logic and maybe some of its its own state. And kind of put bundles it all up into one place where you can just easily drop that wherever you need. Like a good example would be kind of what we talked about before with like a, a date picker. You might make a Vue.js mm-hmm. date picker component. And now you can just drop in a new instance of that anywhere on your site where where you need a, a date picker. And, you know, you'd be, you'd be good to go. And it would be sort of uh, totally self-contained.
0: Or even better, you go out and you find someone who wrote a nice date picker component and you just pull it in and use it, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's not that dissimilar to maybe like what you, what we're used to, like old school jQuery UI plugin stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But written with Vue or written with React or, you know, any of these other sort of component-driven frameworks.
0: Right. And the, the components can encapsulate the HTML, whatever... JavaScript is needed as well as the CSS?
3: Yep, that's right.
0: So the idea is I can just grab this thing, slap it in there and it's just going to work,
3: right? It's just going to work, yeah, typically. <laughs> <laughs> Although <laughs> my not typically, my typically look right? Exactly the way that you want. Uh that Right. To me I I find kind of the uh the bundling the CSS into the component stuff has mm-hmm. not been a feature that I've taken advantage of too much. Right. Because every project you know, has its own kind of look. So right. it's very rare that you can just grab an off-the-shelf uh, component and expect it to fit perfectly into the aesthetic of whatever site that that you're building. Um, so a lot of the time, it's still easier to, to make those sorts of components uh, customizable by, you know, overriding classes and stuff like that that you might be used to from uh, other kind of UI library plugins that you pulled in in the past. Um, there's also an approach with with React and Vue in particular uh, that that was kind of like what inspired me to want to create this course actually because I thought it was so interesting, which is this idea of like renderless or headless UI components. Which it's hard to probably hard to explain over over a podcast, but basically it's an approach to building these components that gives the end user complete control over the markup. And the the classes being used and stuff, while still encapsulating all the logic around how the component works into something that's um, reusable. So, say you wanted to pull in a, a date picker, but you wanted um, not only to change like colors and you know typical CSS stuff, but you also wanted to make changes that were too drastic to really easily accomplish with CSS. Like maybe you wanted to move the previous and next month buttons from the top of the date picker to the bottom of the date picker stuff that is usually easier to do by just you know rearranging the html um this this sort of approach which uh you know like i said people call it renderless or or headless components i can i can link up to an article that i wrote on this if you want yeah please gives you the the freedom to give the end user sort of control over where all the different pieces of the component are rendered and reorganize things and apply their own classes and stuff by sort of writing the HTML themselves, but still wiring it up to all the behavior that's encapsulated in the component. I think it's a really interesting, really interesting idea because it solves what I think the biggest problem with um, sort of UI component reusability has always been, which is just trying to make something portable and reusable and you know, easy for someone to pull into a project while still giving them the control to make it fit their project and not look like, you know, something that was slapped on after the fact that has you know a different color palette or wor- even worse, a different font or <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Um. So and,
0: and then we're kind of getting into advanced view territory, yeah. Right? yeah Big time component, yeah. Yeah. So what what would be Your course covers advanced view component design. What would be a simple component? Would that be like a button?
3: Yeah, I mean, a button, um, as long as the button did something, I guess. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) A good example would be like maybe like a custom toggle control or something. Right. Uh, so say you wanted to build like a, a toggle that kind of animated and, and stuff, and you wanted to build it using custom HTML and not just using CSS pseudo elements and stuff to, to kind of decorate a standard checkbox or something. Uh, you could build a little toggle component uh, with a view that just kind of kept track of its own internal state, whether it was on or off. And the DOM would just kind of show an on toggle or an off toggle, uh, whether know depending on that state and you could add a little click handler to it that would be baked into the component too so whenever someone clicks it it toggles the the state of it i think that's probably one of the best super super basic examples of a type of component that that you might build with view um and then things can get you know way uh crazier than that de- depending on how deep you want to go
2: yeah we've always used it as a um as a tool, just when we need to, to hold state. And it's funny, there are definitely some applications that I look back on that we did yeah. a few years ago where I just wish we could go back and you know undo the mountain of jQuery to iterate over yeah. a list of check marks and a search box and a this yeah. and a that and then try to <laughs> compile all that into some gross action that then calls back to the server. And I'm like, oh, I just had like some good... You know different computed methods and ways to hold state on what is and isn't selected. It, you know, going back and touching those projects would be a delight rather than something I kind of. That yeah,
0: that is a fantastic point, Patrick. In that, another reason to pick and use one of these frameworks, and I'm talking to you, Earl. Yeah, um, is whether it's one of your pro- your own projects, or you're approaching someone else's project. Like when I see something that is just custom JavaScript and we jQuery kind of mixed in. It takes me a long time to go in and unwind it and to yeah. figure out what is going on and what is doing what. And if you use a framework like Vue or any of the others, the maintainability is way better yeah. because you can approach it and you know how it works. Like, okay, you know, here's, here's the data model. Here are the, the computer you know, and away you go. Um, and from a maintainability point of view, it's just way easier. Like I've been onboarded onto projects that um, were just, you know, a spaghetti jQuery everywhere or even well done jQuery stuff. Um, and it's been much more difficult to get up to speed than the projects that I've been onboarded that are using something like Vue. And that's one of the benefits is that it gives you this kind of framework that things are put into so that when you approach it, you know what's where, and there's some structure to it, and it's not, you know, one particular guy's idea of how it should work. You yeah. know, it's some kind of a standard that you can take the knowledge that you have of it and apply it, whether it's you a year ago or someone else's code or whatever. I mean, have have you found that at all, Adam? In terms of it, it just makes things more maintainable for you.
3: Uh, I think it does make things more maintainable just to have. Sort of a consistent approach to, right. to JavaScript in general, right, and not right. mixing a lot of paradigms in, in a single project. Right, um, and I think you know Vue is good in that sense too, because a lot of the time you might want to pull in some functionality that is um, already exists in like a really battle tested jQuery plugin, for example, right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you might find yourself in the situation where it's like, okay, I'm using Vue for some stuff, but I want to use this jQuery plugin. And it kind right. of feels gross to have like jQuery and Vue happening in the same app, which is totally mm-hmm. true. Um, but, but Vue actually works really well as like a wrapper for jQuery uh, yep. plugins too. So you actually create, say you had like a jQuery date picker that you really liked. You could write a Vue component date picker that internally uses that jQuery plugin to, to kind of control everything. But from, yep. from one level up, from the perspective of the person who's actually just sort of mixing and matching stuff and putting the application together, they never interact with jQuery directly. That's kind of wrapped up in Vue. Um, right,
0: and you do everything with the Vue paradigm. So you're consistent yeah. throughout your whole site. Yeah, and, like it, da- and it doesn't limit
3: tables. you is what I'm saying though, is like you can still right. use all this stuff that, all these libraries that you like, but you can decorate them as Vue components so that the, the app at the application level, View is still kind of like the way that you write JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Each one of these components might rely on a little bit of jQuery inside of it, but it's not just like sprawled and spread all over your application in a way that makes it hard to know: should I solve this problem with jQuery? Should I solve this problem with View? Should I solve this problem with Knockout? You know, whatever. Right. Um, so,
0: and and I think you'll find that for most of the popular uh, jQuery or, or JavaScript, uh, you know, frameworks, um, someone's already done it. Like for instance, data tables is a very old, but very, very useful, uh, JavaScript library for manipulating large sets of data. And someone's already wrapped, you know, a view component around it. So you're still using data tables under the hood. You still get all the awesomeness, but then you can use kind of a, a view approach to everything, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
1: yeah, that's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, so a lot of times you don't even have to write the, the wrapper yourself. If it's anything of note, there probably, there probably is one already. Yeah. You know?
3: Um,
0: so Adam, in terms of your advanced view component, uh, design course, and I, I bought your course. Thank you. But I I have to make a confession. I am, (laughs) I am still on lesson one. (laughs)
3: Yeah, This is, uh, I think the, the story with most courses and stuff and books people buy I can't tell you how many ebooks I have sitting on my computer that I've never uh dove into yet but
0: well it's I mean for me it's just lately I just have not had the free time to do that yeah you know and I really I really really want to but in terms of the the course itself since I'm still on episode (laughs) one I obviously can't can't speak to it but at what point do you think this course would be beneficial in terms of you know where you are uh, in, in using Vue?
3: Sure. So I think probably the first thing to say is that it's not a course on like building single page apps with Vue or anything like that. So it's definitely applicable to, to just about anyone using Vue in any context. I tried to really keep it focused on, on principles that made sense, even if you're just sprinkling it into a server rendered app, or if you're building like an SPA.
0: Um, but what should I know before I, for sure.
3: I, I think, um, as long as you've kind of, tinkered with view and maybe gone through you don't even have to go through all the documentation but maybe gone through some introductory tutorials and tried to build a, a couple things then um you'll be you'd be okay uh, as far as like what it assumes in terms of knowledge like it's not a view from scratch course right um it's de- it definitely like assumes you know how v4 is used to render a an, an array of things or how you use v model to bind it to a uh, a form input or something like that um, so
0: so, if, so watch the the free LaraCast learn view and that's that's what I, usually, and then, and then that's what I usually
3: tell people is to watch yeah. if you go to viewcasts.com that'll actually redirect to this free view 2 series on laracasts and um, if you go through that you'll be plenty and and do a little bit of practice to make sure that you actually you know know the con- some of the basic concepts uh then you'll be you'll be more than prepared because there's even some overlap uh, between the uh Jeffreys free course and some of the early stuff in the uh the advanced components course
0: so what do you enjoy more? Do you enjoy building tutorials for people more or do you enjoy uh building frameworks for people to use
3: more? I think I prefer the code side of things code, I like teaching yeah. um but my favorite way. To help people is by creating tools and, and stuff like right. that. I think that's what uh, it, that that's the best combination for me of kind of scratching that itch to to kind of make things and, and be creative, uh, while right. also being able to you know provide value to to the greater community. So working on things like Tailwind CSS, for example, is, is where I uh, I really that's really the sweet spot for me. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like I, uh, am building tools for other people to use to build their apps. And I, you know, I, I, I do client work too. I do consulting work, but I found that that is kind of my sweet spot as well. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy building stuff that then other people can use to build stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, and I, I do want to be mindful of your time. I know that you're, uh, a super busy person, you're, you're almost like a celebrity now, right?
3: <laughs> I don't know if I'm quite at that level yet, but
0: uh... you've been flown down to Australia <laughs> to to speak at uh, the Laracon down there and you're, you're doing this that, and the other thing. So I, I really do uh, appreciate your time and coming on here. And I think that, uh, you know, hopefully we've given people a nice overview of, you know, here's why people are using this stuff and here are what the problems are that it can help solve for you. Um, but at some point I'm gonna harass you again because I, I would love to get you on where we can just go super nerd out where we can assume people already have a grounding in view and we can get into some of the nitty gritty sure. of uh, of some of the more kind of advanced stuff that you're you're doing in view. Yeah, that'd be I would awesome love to do that. Um uh, Patrick or Earl, do you either of you have any other uh, questions that you wanna ask Adam?
2: I don't think so. No, I, I I love you. I just wish we were using it more. I think some of it is that we're afraid to go full on SPA. Um, mm-hmm. But every time we've put it into a project, it's been a real pleasure to use. And um, yeah, it's just made coming back to that project a little bit easier but down the line. Y- you don't you don't need to go full oh, SPA yeah. though. Oh yeah, I know. But yeah. it feels like it's the cool kid thing to do these days. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you, um, you don't have to do it cause it's a cool thing to do. Do you remember a couple of years ago, like planking was a cool thing to do <laughs> and then a bunch of people died and then everyone forgot about it. I'm still yeah. doing
2: parkour these days. You know? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, you got your code kit t-shirt, so you're good to go. Scratchy. Okay, go, yeah. go ahead, Earl.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm actually pretty excited to, to try it out for some interactivity stuff. Uh, I mean, when Patrick mentioned like, you know, having to you know, loop through check boxes and stuff, uh, you know i've definitely done that before um, and i'm yeah i'm looking forward to view keeping track of things for me uh, in in some of those instances so yeah i'm definitely going to check it out uh, i won't be building any single page apps i'm pretty sure of that but <laughs> uh, for interactivity i'm excited to check it out and see how it goes
0: well i i am going to be very likely building a pretty decent scale spa so i'm going to come back either with horror stories <laughs> right or i'm going to come back and i'm going to be evangelizing and telling everyone to, to, to go I'll,
1: that I'll route. talk to you real late at night and tell you how it works on my netbook. Okay,
0: fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. To have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS feed or subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at devmodefm and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Leave a comment on the devmode.fm website for the devmode.fm podcast. I'm Andrew Welch.
1: I'm Earl Johnston. I'm Patrick Harrington.
0: And Adam. And I thank you once again for coming on.
3: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: And I think, once again, we're going to have Zencaster fail. (laughs) I don't know if you noticed, but Patrick uh, dropped out part of the way through. (laughs) But it kept
2: on recording, and now I have a new 15-minute recording that's going. Yes,
0: which which means that I'm going to have all these pieces to put together, and I'm going to see how patient I'm going to be about it.